Talking Toro, episode fifty, season three. Rob, we're back. I'm in. I'm in the Grand Hotel, Budapest. Um, we finally got. We finally got to to reunite after what six or eight weeks away from Toro. Um, but yeah, it's good to be back. Good, and we're back with a new season. Well, we we did promise. We did promise the listeners that we'd uh, have some European action for them uh, next season. I'm not quite sure this is what we had in mind, but yeah, at least one of the uh, co- Talking Toro. Uh, podcast hosts are in Europe uh, and yeah I hope you're very much enjoying your working colour day in Budapest Thank you thank you my friend so how are we feeling about the, the new season I've got, I've got a distinct sense of deja vu but uh, you mean uh, sign players on uh, options to buy uh, sign players on loans with options to buy and then have no real urgency or no real sense of actually using that option to, to sign those players. Although we have actually signed Nikola Vasic permanently, so that's something to, to cheer about, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's... The, the summer se- seemed to start off um, with a bit of kind of positive energy and a bit of a flurry, and then we seem to have entered this phase of, yeah, really not very much happening. Um, and, yeah, the squad... I can't say that at the moment the squad looks stronger than than last season. We look kind of we'll get into the predictions in the second half of the pod, but yeah, this this looks all the makings of a tenth place tenth place finish from Toro. But yeah, we'll delve, delve into a bit. The big caveat is yeah, deja vu. Toro are gonna leave um probably at least two, three signings until fortunately quite late in the window. So we're not really gonna get a real semblance of the squad. There's probably a sensation that there's Definitely a left back and a Trequartista missing. And I think we probably will need to sign him. And there may even be a second fullback as well with, with Sango going today. And I, I I would love to see a striker come in because um, I worry about Tony Sadabri. I don't think Tony Sadabri is a player who's going to score a lot of goals in, in, in the big matches against the better defences. And it may even be quite difficult for him to replicate the form from the second half of the season. And Pietro Pellegri, as we know, probably a good option as a third choice striker, but um, can't we? We can't really be like we've been so bare in that position for a long time. Um, but perhaps for me, the um, highlight of the summer has been the Toro haircuts. Uh, Sango, so Sango's gone to Monaco today, I think, and he came on in, uh, against. Uh, Ferrol Pizzolo, I've got to admit, I hadn't really, I hadn't really heard of until the Coppa Italia draw, and then I didn't realise they were a Serie B. I was quite surprised they were a Serie B team as well. Um, but yeah, Sango's uh, gone for a Caramel look. Um, Dem- Dembisek's been to Turkey to um, to grow out his hair. Samuel Ricci, and, and probably a good time to probably a good time to mention that Dembisek may be on his way out of the uh, of the exit door as well. Which, um, as you as you mentioned, with the with the lack of strikers, that's probably uh, a bit of a, a worry as well. Indeed, and, and the, one of the things this squad has is a chronic lack of pace as well. Um, and one thing we know about Dembisek is he has he, he has a lot of pace. But no, I was I was, yeah, was going to carry on saying Richie uh, Richie and Illich kind of morphing into the same same player in the same haircut. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we want to. I mean, do we need to? And... Should we also talk about Tony Sanabria uh, shaving all of his hair off, exposing a, a receding hairline that I didn't know existed? 
I'm not, I'm not sure whether he's in the uh, the queue. Maybe he got a buy one get one free with uh, Denver second. So maybe he's off to, off to Turkey as well. He'll be off to Turkey in the international break. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know if we want to break the signings down a, a little bit. It's not actually been been that many, but we can look a, a, a little bit at the activity. Yeah, I think um, obviously at the start of the summer we were quite quick in sort of identifying an area, identifying a signing. Uh, Raul Bellanova was in the sort of Italy under-21 wards and that maybe prolonged that deal. But then there was a little bit of talk that he was maybe having second thoughts and wasn't fully invested in, in signing for uh, Torino. But again, the deal actually happened quite quickly. Uh, I thought there was quite a, a statement of intent, even though he obviously came off the bench uh, in the Champions League final. So he wasn't a regular inter. He's a young, talented player in an area we needed improvement. Um, I thought he played quite well in the cup. He probably should have scored at least twice in the first half, um, but then was potentially exposed for for the goal. So defensively, but potentially that's a worry. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a promising start that we sort of identified an area we needed to improve. There was no sort of haggling around. We agreed a fee with Cagliari quite early on. Um, and yeah, that, that looks like it was potentially going to be a bit of a change in, in what's happened in summers previously. But Unfortunately, um, yeah, the, the same old haggling story has, has continued. Well, the strange thing was we got Bellanova in and then we, it looked like Josh Doigiola was coming. You even announced <laughs> I it. Jinx, on... I jinx, yeah, I, I can take full yeah. responsibility for this Doig uh, non-signing because I basically announced that he was on his way. Um, and yeah, I think Cairo and um, uh, yeah, and Vagnetti saw that, that tweet and was like, no, we're not letting him have another, another British Torrio player. Um, that was a strange one as it seemed I mean he was seemed very close to Bologna and then Torino had come in and kind of had a deal in place um, and then it just went very quiet the talk is that Juric maybe preferred other other options but then Doig's not actually gone anywhere else in, in, in the meantime so whether it's a deal which is on ice I don't know it seems to be a, a bit of a strange one but that was a shame just to not get those two fullbacks in at the beginning of the summer, that looked like it would be a really positive start to the summer. And then the other straight, then slightly strange, we bring in another player from Verona um, uh, at a similar time, Tameza, um, who, yes, yeah, potentially quite a good addition to the midfield. I think he brings a little bit um, more than Carol Linetti in that kind of um, backup position to to, to Illich and Ritchie. Um yeah, I, I, I mean, to talk a bit about Bellanova. I think he's definitely not the finished article. He's quite raw, but he looks looks like someone who is potentially going to be a lot better in the final third than in the defensive third, from what I've seen. And I think that's that's the area where we we really need to improve this season. Uh, the number of goals from from wing back positions has not been great in Juric's two seasons, and that's something which he was one of the main aspects of his Verona team that they would score. Sort of the wingbacks would score maybe five to ten goals uh, each season. That's obviously not something that that Sango's done or or Voivodo, although he did he did come up with a goal uh, in the cup against Rapisalo. So, um, yeah, I think it's a that's one area where we need to improve. And I think the other area, yeah, I think a little bit of depth. I don't think anybody would would be requesting a, a starting centre midfielder other than. Uh, Richie and, and Illich. I think that's quite a cemented uh, 
first choice pairing. Uh, I think Temeze, given the fee and the release clause, which was under like three million euros, I think it's a bit of a non-brainer. You're not going to get a player with uh, with his sort of experience of played in the Champions League, played in Syria. Um, yeah, he's, I think he's he's 29 or 30. So yeah, he's maybe not in his peak, but he can provide that bit that option in certain games especially maybe if we hold on to a lead and we need to shore things up it he, he looks like he'll be a good option and so a few of the quotes from his sort of presentation and he seems to be like quite a um humble sort of very very happy character very happy to be at torino um and yeah seems to seems to be a character that will fit quite quite well into into the side yeah, but looking at look, looking at the side at the moment, it really feels like there's only been one addition, which is which is Belanova, um, because Vlasic Vlasic coming back is, I, f- I think in many ways, um, it, Vlasic doesn't really have that star quality about him. He's a very industrious player, um, and I think he's someone we need to certainly for the fee we pay from needs needs to deliver a lot more next season but i think it's a positive thing that Torino have done one of his loan deals and and, and seen it through because we're if, losing if only because of... if only because we, that potentially would have meant we would never have got any other player on loan because clubs were starting to work out what our plan was sure but i'm not really sure what our plan for the for the other trade quartista is because dennis Pryor, who we were heavily linked with we couldn't get that one done last summer is probably quite an easy pickup from I know he's in the Leicester team at the moment in the championship but it's probably quite an easy pickup with one year left in his contract then there was this very strange situation with Ruslan Malinovsky who's a player I really like but I couldn't see where on earth he'd fit into the Torino team when you've got Illich and Ritchie um you know Illich, Illich has some of the similar qualities and I'm just not sure Malinovsky in a front three has has a pace uh, that we need um, you know, he's he's someone of a very good left foot and um uh, plays through a very good final ball, but at thirty years of age and the kind of fee Marseille were 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 asking for after the loan, it it seemed like one of those that a play we would never sign after a, a year's loan, picking up a thirty one year old for ten million. Seems like he's going to Genoa, may do very well at Genoa, but uh that didn't seem the 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 wisest thing, um, and then there's been all yeah all sorts of players linked, and then on the other side there's been the likes of Richie and Schurz constantly throughout the summer have been linked with um, Richie has had this link with Lazio which seems to have gone away, um, but yeah it's whether Torino whether there's going to be one kind of exceptional sale that's just going to happen in the next few weeks not sure I see it myself, um, but I think the concern with that would potentially be say there is. Uh, a sale from maybe a domino effect where maybe a Premier League club sells, especially looking at shares, they sell a defender at quite short notice, somebody comes in and then we're stuck in that situation where we're offered good money and the player wants to go potentially and then we're stuck with sort of two or three days notice to try and get a sign-in. Sort of speed of not Torino's forte in terms of the transfer window. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, we'll talk about the Sango uh, sale earlier today as well. Only thing that's a bit of a strange about that is that we turned down something which came out in the summer that we turned down a similar amount of money for Olerina uh, last summer on the deadline day uh, that uh, Ola um, spoke about in the podcast. Um, I think the, the offer was 8.4 million euros, um, so essentially almost 10 million 
Um, he was in the same situation as Sango with one year left on his contract. Uh, we turned that down, I think, potentially because of that situation, whereas I know we've got a little bit more time to replace Sango. Um, and yeah, it might be a, a familiar figure who is that replacement as well. Um, Torino maybe suggesting why buy two players when you can you can buy one who will do both jobs and, and Valentino Lazzaro might be sort of coming back to, to occupy both the, the right wing back and left wing back positions. Yeah, I mean, the, the return of Lazzaro is not something that would, I think, maybe quite a positive thing if we can keep him fit. But as you said, we would still need another fullback, especially with his fitness record. And the, the other kind of thing which may happen is is Moranchuk with um, De Ketelara going to, to Atalanta. Um, is that is that someone we're going to bring back as well? I don't think we'd be able to get him on a, another season loan, but that, that being that. And then there's also Pereira out of contract to Udinese, which not is not really a player would excite me for the final third. And I think we're fairly well stocked in 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 other areas. So I, I do think Atalanta is potentially an area, especially towards the end of the window, where we might be interested in a couple of signings, not only uh, with Moranchuk, but they've signed two new strikers in Skamaka and Torre. They've got Luis Muriel, they've got Duvan Zapata. Either one of those would add some some depth and uh, an alternative option uh, as a, a being a different type of striker to um, to Sanabri. I think, obviously, that's going to be a transfer fee and big wages for both, for either of them. Um but that's some that would show a little bit of a tent, intent. You look at you look at like what Atalanta really are. I hate it pains me to say it, but they're really the blueprint for what Torino should be should be doing. They they sell players every year, but they immediately invest them with big money. There's no none of this sort of oh we'll save a little bit of it, we'll save save a little bit here or there. They've they've sold uh, Hoyland and then they've they've gone and bought Skamaka and and obviously De Ketelare. So it's it's those sort of moves that if we want to move on to that next echelon and be regulars in European football, that's the sort of things we need to be doing. You you would think that Atalanta, you would think they're, they're weaker, but in a way they're probably even stronger this season because of the depth that they've, they've managed to bring in. Well, they have the great Michel Adopo signing as well. So, <laughs> uh, um, I'll, I'll, yeah, take, they... I'll take a quick bet now that he plays less than five games in, in Serie A. Um, but yeah, then there was, uh, I mean, Sango was, almost due to go to Atalanta um, and we were supposed to get Brandon Soppy coming the other way, which would have been the um, certainly one of the more hilarious names to... Uh, I think I, I think actually, I mean, I, I know, I think a lot of Torino fans are probably quite pleased with, with getting 10 million for, for Sango, who's not really shown his best form for at least two seasons, but I think that, that Soppy deal was probably better financially. I think that was 7 million and a replacement. Um, and I know I, I think I seem to remember Sopi playing really well against Toro last season in the, in the three one defeat. I think, he, I think uh, he won the penalty. Um, yeah, the, which Alorina has also spoke about on that same podcast, sort of basically suggesting that his his mind was was elsewhere, which I'm sure he probably should have admitted. Um, but yeah, I think there's still what two two weeks until the end of the transfer window, so. I'm hoping, yeah, I think at the at the bare minimum, I expect to trade quite easy. I expect at least one wing back, hopefully two. Uh, if I was to bet here who we would be signing, if you you'd gun to my head and you were going to tell me who we were going to end up signing, I'd, I'd say Lazzaro and then probably Roberto Pereira. And then 
maybe see what we could do with a striker. Maybe that depends on on how how well Sanabria starts the season, how, how well Pellegrini's fitness holds up. You think Roberto Pereira would come in as a trade quartista? Yeah, I think it, I think it, an option as a trade because actually I don't think that forward line's that bad. If you look at like Caramo and um, Radonjic, who both ended the season on quite form uh, and quite good form, we've we've got the the new signing that we've not mentioned yet as well, Simon Green. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Uh, Simon Green, yeah, he, he whipped uh, in a two-footed Simon Green whipped yeah. in a few cards in the. I did just there's just there's a worry here that I feel like that we are going to end up with Verdi not because we want him but just because we can't get rid of him. I'm not sure how much Urich's comments after the cup game were maybe just trying to sort of build his confidence up and maybe try and make another team in Serie A panic and, and maybe sign him. But I mean. I, under, I sort of understood his his logic that in a game like that where we're dominating the ball, Caramo wasn't getting up much chances to run in behind, so maybe he wanted a more technically gifted player, which is why he brought on Verdi instead of Caramo. But um, and and he looked he looked okay. I, I just think there's psychological damage there from from the player and from the fans. I just I'm not sure how <laughs> if that's able to be repaired. Um, well, it, we, it, the subs in that Coppa Italia game, we had Simone Verdi come on who. Feels like he's been at Toro 15 years. And then Brian Baye, um Yeah, like I said, I say like we've not moved forward very very far. I just don't see I don't see a lot to be apart from that kind of continuity and possibly the arrival of Bellanova giving us a, a little bit more on that right hand side. I don't really see at at the at the moment it's this next few weeks gonna are gonna be absolutely crucial. Um, but I don't really see, and we'll talk about this more with the predictions in the second half of the pod. But I don't see the t- the, the teams, the nine teams who finished above us, apart from maybe Bologna. I don't see many of them. I don't see Torino cl- having closed the gap, um, particularly. But we, and, we, we, and we we can get onto that. But there needs to be um, there needs to be a bit of an effort over the next few weeks. And Pereira coming in as a trade quartista would just for me would be a dreadful signing. Um, and Dennis Pryor would be, for me personally, would not. I, I think we just we need it. We need a little bit more, bit more pace and and uh, and um, fantasy in those positions. My, my worry with somebody like Pereira and same potentially with Lazaro as well is is okay if we're trying to save money, we're trying to cut costs. Well, how better to do it? That's by buying players who can play in more than one role. Pereira's played for Udinese and Watford as a wing back, and has also played further forward. So. You can almost see that argument for, oh, well, let's buy Pereira because he can fulfill two roles. It means we don't have to buy another player. We haven't got, I mean, our squad's, it's got gaps, but there are obviously still players there who can fulfill those gaps. Um, and yeah, I, I would feel a lot more comfortable with three signings, um, potentially four. I do, I do think we need another striker, especially if, I think if Dembisek does go to Frosinone, which has been, been rumoured I think actually probably a good move for him to try and get a bit more regular football I think that surely has got to signify that we're, we are looking at a striker Yeah let, let's hope so let's hope so but um, yeah I mean personally if Vlad Saro comes in uh, there's been talk of Matsoki, but again I mean it was talk of the Carlos Augusto who's gone from Monza to Inter but for about 13-15 million euros but um uh, yeah, I get the other thing I want to talk about is Gazzetta della Sport. Um, I know I've tweeted it, but it's very, it's very frustrating as a Torino fan to to rely on Gazzetta della Sport for um, 
almost any credible um credible news about what's happening because uh, it's really funny as an exercise going against that at the low support website look at the uh, 19 other teams in Syria and they'll be uh, and in the little areas they have for each team and their transfer targets they'll always be like you know eight to ten players Torino throughout the summer has always just been one name um and then when we do uh, there's nothing about Torino no rumors and the only news you ever get is once a signing is made and the signings always dressed as as Cairo has made the signing Cairo has made the extra effort Cairo is in the picture um and we know Gazzetta is is owned by Cairo but as what used to be well, it's still the foremost um daily sports paper in Italy but it's just yeah the the, the coverage is very strange so it, it's hard sometimes to to get a grasp of what's happening at Torino because then you've got Tutor Sport on the other hand who you just just have, have a very scattergun approach to to, to to everything so and I don't find I've almost found as well as the, the kind of transfer experts for want of a better word who are reporting on Torino a while ago it seems to be few, fewer of them about like fewer credible sources around so um but I think the reality is Cairo a lot of it probably dict- is dictated around Cairo's availability to present signing sometimes I really do think that you know if Cairo's away in holiday mm-hmm. we, aren't, we aren't making a signing and he is currently away on holiday I believe so yeah potentially potentially a worry and the mad, the mad thing, actually, I know it takes a little bit of time for us to buy players, but how quickly that Sango deal happened! Like, you thought he was going to Atalanta at the start of the week. He played in the uh, in the Coppa Italia on Monday, and then he's on a plane to Monaco. Well, actually, probably probably, 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 probably didn't need to fly, did he? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, he's got he's got that Monaco lifestyle now. He's probably got a private jet, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I just thought I was, I was quite surprised. It, like when I saw it on the, on the official Twitter, I actually had to click on the account to make sure that it wasn't one of those like parody ones, just because the deal had happened so quickly. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I, w- I remember when we signed Nicholas and Kulu, and there was just absolutely no rumours. It just came onto the onto the website, and it's like that's the sort of thing. They're the sort of signings I quite enjoy, where you, there's no rumours, especially when it's a good player as well. There's absolutely no rumours, and you just the first thing you hear about it is when it's on the official website. So maybe, maybe we've got a couple of those in store. I see. All right, before we do Toropedia and and take a quick break, Rob, what do you think of the kits? I know you're a kit man. Well, uh, the home kit. If, I mean, if I go to rate, should I do marks out of ten? Maybe just to show a little bit of how, how much I, I, I dislike some of them. The home shirt just looks like a really boring effort. Um, I'm not sure if this is the last year of the Joma contract, but it, it, the, some of the kits make me feel like it could be. Um, yeah, no imagine, uh, imag- imagination has gone into the home kit, so maybe a four out of ten. I really do like the away kit. I think it would be nice to, to see that one in, in person. It looks seem to me maybe like an off-white, so I'll give that a, a solid eight. Um, the Jaffa Cake kit, as I'm going to call it, the the the, uh, the black and orange. I did think it looked better actually in person uh, when we played in it on Monday. Uh, like whilst we were playing, whilst we were wearing it, I wasn't into it, don't worry, Peter. Um, but I the peach, the peach socks, I'm not so sure about. But yeah, like I think they did that kit, that sort of fashion statementy kit, a lot better last season. But I mean, if you're going to be a, if you're going to do football shirts as a like a fashion icon, I suppose like Venezia is the the path to go down, and I don't think that they're anything like that, that that could compare with those. So yeah, I, I'm a little bit disappointed. I think 
there's only one of the three that I would even that even consider buying. Um, I quite like the um, although we panned it, I quite like the claret and blue kind of training. Attire. Yeah, the the Aston Villa training is that, but it's a, it's a bit random. It's another kind of random set of colours. Doesn't seem to be a massive amount of coordination behind it. Um, but I think Torino. Well, I think I know Torino um, recruited this kind of international marketing support um, because there's been you have the JD deal, you have the um, I forget the name, it's Sandbart, the um, swimwear leisure yeah. brand. But there is quite a few, yeah, kind of commercial things internationally I, mean, I, I do like the i do like the swimming trunks but 120 euro when you're paying for more for swimming trunks than for a, for a football shirt then you probably need to reevaluate your finances well maybe you'll be wearing them on your honeymoon next year mate <laughs> maybe maybe all right give us give us, give us some torpedo i'm I, i'm kind of i'm tired here so you might you might yeah, be this could be this could be my advantage i'm gonna be i'm gonna be kind and give you the, the years because of because of said tiredness you've had a busy day so try and give you as much help as possible okay so this player uh started his career and i'll give you a little bit of a clue in it with his hometown club uh 1977 to 78 uh, he started with monte baluna where he's got where he made 29 appearances and scored nine goals he then made the move to Inter, uh, 78 to 85, 51 appearances and 11 goals. Um, now, I think they may not have been all straight away um, because he did then have a number of loan spells, so that could have been over a few few years, that, that those uh, appearances and goals. So his first loan spell was 79 to 80 at Como, 18 appearances and two goals. Then 80 to 81, Bari, 35 appearances and 10 goals. Then 82 to 83, a bit of a strange one, went on loan to AC Milan. Uh, so still owned by Inter at this stage, 20 appearances, 8 goals. Not sure if AC Milan, but maybe in Serie B at this, at this point. Might well have been, yeah. Um, and then 84 to 85, he made the loan move to Toro, 29 appearances and 9 goals. Yeah. So then that was his last loan spell and then made a permanent move from Inter to Juventus, 85 yeah. to 87, 51 yeah. appearances, 21 goals. Yeah. Then back to Inter, 87 yeah. to 91, 114 appearances and 45 goals. Yeah. And then ended his career at AC Milan on a permanent deal this time, 91 to 93, 10 appearances and zero goals. Okay. You look quite confident, which is quite annoying. I think I, feel like you know I, think I might have it, but I, I thought this player was permanently at Toro and not on loan at Toro. But they kind of, yeah, it's one of, there was very few players who played for both Milan clubs and both Turin clubs. Um, well, get, that's part of, the, part of the answer as well. Uh, so, yeah, might be able to... I believe if if Wikipedia is correct, there's only two players who have played for both Milan clubs and both um, Turin clubs. So maybe another yeah. extra teaser for you as it's the. Uh, and Dino Badger must episode. have been close. He did did three of them, but um, don't ooh. think he ever played for AC. No. But... All right. Well, we'll see you on the other uh, side. Yeah, I will announce both answers on the other side. Leo Junior. E pennella sulla testa di Aldo Serena, un cross da spingere in rete. 
Maradona in delirium. Welcome back to Talking Toro. Um, Rob, you're going to give us the... Uh, well, have I got to give the answer to... Yeah, you, yeah if, if, you give, if I give the answer, it sort of ruins the magic of this, Peter. I know we're, <laughs> we're rusty. We're very rusty. I've just read that Thomas Rincon's gone to Santos or somewhere. Talk about rusty. I, I was a little bit I was a little bit worried you were going to say you're coming back to Toro. <laughs> uh, um, no, we're, we're slow. We're not that slow. Um, all right, the player in question. It's going to be really embarrassing if you play in a clip and I'm going to and I'm going to give the name of the wrong player but I'm fairly confident because the four clubs make sense it's a striker um went definitely went from Toro to Juve I didn't realize it was only on loan at Toro um Aldo Serena that is correct there you go good start a very good start did you manage to get the other player who I've I've checked the uh, Wikipedia sort of Source uh, and that the, it it mentions it from it, that was accurate as of 2016. I can't think of anybody else who's played for both Turin clubs, both Milan clubs, um, and definitely a player you know. Well, the Milan clubs are weird because they swap players quite a lot. Yes, that is true. Whereas Torino and Juventus a little bit less so, unless it's Juventus by, buying a player from us. But we have picked up players who've. Played for, who've played for Juventus and we picked them up a bit later on in their career. I mean, Abbiati played for three of the four, definitely. Didn't play for Inter, I don't think. At what position are we talking? Striker. Striker. You will so, kick yourself, I think. So if people, yeah. But there's, there's, there's uh, Simone Zaza, I don't think, still has a club, by the way. He's just came to my mind. But the only clubs he went to in in he's in, only in, Mil- I think. Yeah, the only clubs he went to in Milan were um, of the white <laughs> variety, I think. Um, a striker who's played for Torino, Juventus, Milan, and Inter. Um, Realise this does not make for great podcasting, but people at, at home are more than welcome to shout the answer. Um, is it one of those sneaky ones of someone who didn't really play very much at the beginning of their career for one of them? Yes, but that club was Toro. Okay. Uh, so someone we... Told you I was tired. Um, what year did you play for Toro? Like, I've, got a, I've got a better clue if you want that. Okay. He was on the bench in the 1992 UEFA Cup final. Okay, Bobo Vieri, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was quite he, obvious. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and if he had, if he'd made an appearance at Roma, he'd have done both Rome clubs as well. So yeah, mm. I probably says a lot more about his career. I'm just looking, I'm just looking at his stats now. He never actually, none of his appearances were loans. He was just permanent, 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 permanent. Well, Torino loaned him to. Oh no, we sold, no, sold him to, him to yeah, sold him to Pisa and uh, Ravenna, Venezia, Atalanta, Juve, Atletico Madrid, Lazio, Inter, AC, Monaco, um, Samp, Atalanta, Fiorentina, Atalanta. I got a feeling Vieri's least memorable spell was at Milan, though. Even even if if you were to guess all of those Christian Vieri clubs, most people would say to yeah, Milan. he was at the beginning of the end. I think it's fair to say then. Yeah, twenty six appearances, six goals for Fiorentina. It's not that's not too bad, but yeah, no, a bit of a um, yeah, a bit of an interesting stat there to start off the uh, first episode of season three. Um, All right, well, 
Should we do some predictions? You know they're not my forte, so... No. It can't be any worse than last season. We probably need to probably need to sort of explain as well that we managed to get out of um, me buying you a Olorina shirt or a Jan Caramo shirt. Um, firstly, I mean, probably a good thing as well because I have not seen any, apart from a couple um, of shirts on classic football shirts, which have gone down reduced. Like, because I, I, I quite like the home shirts. I was trying to see if I could find the home shirt reduced anywhere, but there's nobody really that stocks them in the UK. Didn't even go that cheap down. Uh, at the at the Torino store either, um, so yeah, I managed to recycle uh, or upcycle. I like to think um, one of my old Torino shirts, which was a Primavera shirt with uh, with the Kinder sponsor. So um, yeah, hopefully that will again not much good for people listening to this, but it will make an appearance. I'm sure later on uh, one of the episodes this season. Well, when 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 we start videoing these at some point, you'll we'll be able to show to collect, show collect. Rob, you're underselling that you actually gave me two shirts because you gave me a training top as well. Well, that one, that one, I'd already told you I was going to give you anyway. Just that <laughs> one of the one of the plus points about moving house is that you find a lot of shirts that one don't fit you any, anymore, or two you just don't really want to see the sight of anymore. Uh, not that I, not that I don't like the sight of Torino shirts, but yeah. The fact that I seeing Torino shirts that don't fit me is probably more more the biggest. And the Kinder one, I mean, that was an XL, and I think that's a small XL as well. So I feel like I would have to chop off a limb for that to fit me. All right. Well, thank you. And no clean slate. Clean yeah. slate. Let's the, see. Uh, the comeback starts here. Well, these are the season bets. We'll we'll, we'll get into our um, regular weekly bets as well. But yeah, let's throw, throw a few things out. I I will. I'm going to throw this one at you. Who's, who's going to get relegated? That's a very good question, actually. Because um, I'll be honest, I haven't really, like, a couple of changes, like, a couple of transfers have, have sort of happened and I've not even been aware of them um, until sort of like they've been official. So I do I do worry about Frosinone. Um, I know that. I know they're signing Denver Sex. They should be okay. Um I think, yeah. I think Frosinone will be okay. I think they've come up twice before and gone straight down, but I've got a feeling they're going to have a bit of a, maybe a little bit of momentum. They did. They were pretty good in Serie B last year. They've made a few tweaks. I just think there's a, well, there's a few teams who really haven't strengthened at all. And I think you're always going to have one slight fall from grace as well. So, so I've, uh, got, I've got Frosinone just about staying up. Yeah, I've, I would just bet. I think Genoa have made some really good signings, if, especially if they get Malinowski. I think um, Ritegui is a good signing, probably one that Torino potentially should have been in the uh, market for. Um, so, yeah, I do think the other two promoted teams would be safe. That are a bit, uh, Cagliari have sort of glossed over there. Um, you can't bet against Dario Ranieri. So I feel, I feel that Ranieri will have enough to keep Cagliari up. Um, so then... Then I think I do think it will be a, an interesting race. I think Hellas Verona. I think that's probably my second pick. Um, yeah, probably one of the sides you talk about that haven't really strengthened. Um, and then third pick. That's a tough one. I'm gonna go. I'll go Salernitana. Yeah, Salernitana haven't done much activity. They haven't really lost anyone, but I think they're the most stable. Predicted starting eleven from last season, so you're going to learn any time at like yeah, at the so end of last I'll, season. I'll go, I'll go bottom for Zanone, nineteenth um, yeah. 
uh, Hellas Verona and an 18th Salernitana. I feel like Lecce would probably be the other t- side that you'd be tempted to go for. Um, but I know they've got a really good Primavera. Um, I could I could see them sort of maybe unleashing a, a couple of sort of unknown unknown stars who've, who've done well for them in, in the youth team. Well, I'll let you make a note of these, but at the end of last season, we were looking for bits to clip up and have a laugh at. So this might be a prime episode. All right, I've actually got one of the same teams. I've got Verona to go down because they've still got Milan um, Juric up front um, as their starting striker. I realise there's two weeks left of the transfer window and a lot can happen. Uh, I've got Verona. I've got Lecce. I think Lecce were a bit lucky in the end last season to stay up. Um, and I don't think they've strengthened massively. Um, plus, they've had a fallout of the coach. And then I've got a surprise package going down. I've got Udinese going down. I think I think they may struggle. Um, so, yeah. That will look very bad when Udinese finishes when, when Udinese uh, beat Toro to the, the final European place. But yeah, um, but looking at a few, yeah, a few of the other teams, I think they're, uh, I think they're just about strength. And um, uh, throwing another one at you, who's going to be your kind of surprise package? Positive can be positive or negative. I mean, the, the problem with the problem with Serie A is you've got six or seven good sides, and then you've got six or seven okay sides which I probably include Toro in that and then you've got the rest who are all a bit rubbish so I suppose last season Monza would have been your surprise package in the fact that they came up newly promoted and, and were challenging for Europe but had that finance um, boost with, um, which again whether that will continue this season it, it remains to be seen oh, I'm going to go as a surprise package I'll go Genoa uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the transfers they've made have been sort of showed a little bit more ambition uh, whilst also maybe remaining stable financially as well. And they've not sort of gone absolutely crazy in the signings, but just made some sort of interesting signings. Like, I think they'll finish in the top half. Wow. I actually had Genoa as well. I mean, I don't know if it's acceptable to like Genoa again now that, that Prezziosi's gone. Uh, for a long time, Genoa were pretty almost seedy uh, as a club really just um everything that happened with the with the uh, with, what was it 10 15 years ago when um when Genoa demoted I mean I can't believe Preziosi was able to stay there for so long but yeah it's a new Genoa and, and I guess for us as well the relationship between the two clubs um not being not being ideal but yeah Retegui I don't know I think he could be one of those players who comes in and like scores 17 18 goals and, and is a really good pickup or um yeah from what what I've seen him he's definitely got he's definitely got the ability to to, to take chances I'm not sure technically how, how good he is and maybe that's why I think when he first came to the national team there was talk of Inter there was talk of um much bigger clubs. It's quite interesting that Genoa is the level he's coming at. But yeah, I agree. If Torino had signed him, I wouldn't have necessarily been been dis- to, uh, displeased about that. But yeah, a bit boring. I Genoa as well. I, I you mentioned Monza. I don't think Monza would be. I don't fancy again uh, with a couple of weeks left. Transfer market Galliardini and D'Ambrosio feel a bit like the signings Torino may have made in the early Cairo Serie A years. Um, so I think Monza might be a bit weaker. Um, 
Fiorentina is an interesting one. Um, they've been a bit lucky to get back into Europe, as Torino would have been had we finished eighth. Um, so they're going to have... I do, I do think how long that took as well would have taken maybe a little bit of the gloss of it. I know that's something we were talking about for a lot of last season, but I mean, I think they only really got the sort of go-ahead that they'd be in European football maybe two weeks ago. Um, that would have been very difficult to plan for unless it was sort of almost certain certain sort of behind the scenes it just wasn't announced until then um but yeah as, as, i mean it's a li- changed a little bit i mean when we last when we got into europe via the palmer back door we had to start the qualify qualifiers in early july mid-july so yeah i think it's changed a little bit now but fiorentina wouldn't even enter it until until late august yeah i also think fiorentina being back in the conference league it almost feels like it's not quite right i think it'd be nice to for another club to have had a go. And it feels like when you've managed to lose a final to West Ham, I don't know. I, just, I, 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 I quite like I quite like the idea maybe what they should do in, in future seasons if something like that happens where a team who've qualified can't compete in Europe. They they put together some sort of like mini little tournament which you could have had Bologna, uh, Toro, Monza and again, probably Sassuolo. I'm guessing would have would have finished in um in those in those places, um that maybe would have added a little bit more excitement, gave gave it a little bit of meaning rather than just sort of falling into, um Europe. But yeah, that's probably just me just trying to get Tyro into Europe. Yeah, Fiorentina picked up two players who they do tend to pick up players who Torino have been linked with. So Parisi, again, a bit of a surprise that an Inter or Juventus didn't go for him. He looks like a very sensible pickup. And then it'll be really interesting to see how Emzola does there. Um, a bit of a kind of sliding doors thing as well. Um, they've, they've sold Artur Cabral. Um, and Jovic just apparently has gone. but Ah, and and they've, yeah, they've, they've signed a striker from River Plate, Lucas Beltran. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, like Atalanta, they are another team to emulate, which is probably made a little bit, a few and maybe a bit frustrating because they're probably that sort of natural side that you probably would compare Toro with. Um, and yeah, they'll, they'll sell a player for 25 million and then they'll buy a player for 25 million. Um, Toro will sell a player for 25 million and then buy three players for 6 million each and then bank the rest. Um, that's probably the two differences between between those clubs. All right, what's, what's your top seven? Um, if going from seven to one, whatever you prefer, yeah. Right, I'll, I'll put a little bit of jeopardy there. Um, seventh Toro. Oh Jesus Christ! He's gone. He's gone straight in. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, I feel like I feel like I've forgotten a team here. And this is why you should have done it for first to seventh. Um. Uh. Give me a second. I need to do it the other way around, don't I? Rob is uh, trying to remember six other teams in Serie <laughs> I'm just writing them down. I'm writing them down in the order I want. Frosinone, uh, Verona, Lecce. Uh, for, is it Frosinone, uh, no, no, Verona? No, 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 it's fine. No, no, it's fine. Okay. Okay, I think I, you're going to tell me now that I've missed this. I saw, oh, shit. By the fact, the fact I that saw then as well. I've missed the team and... No, I don't care. All right. Toro 7th. Yeah. Juve 6th. Okay. Inter 5th. Wow. We're going to be very different. 
Roma fourth. Yeah. Atalanta third. Yeah. Napoli second. Yeah. Milan first. Okay. We've I think we've got one team in the same position. So all right, I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go seventh to the first. So seventh Roma. I don't think Roma look very good and I could I can see a scenario where Mourinho leaves and they they can I, I like the signing of Hosemois. Um my French is probably mispronounced that as well, but I think he's a, a very good creative player, which is who, which is what Roma need. Uh, Renato Sanchez, Leandro Paredes, they're good players. Um, Paredes, I, I, I disagree. I think I think Paredes is one of the worst, most overrated players I've Ooh. ever seen. Wow, I I think he in his first spell at Roma was a good player. He is now sort of maybe potentially past it, but I think as a squad option. Um, I think he, I think he's good. I think Sanchez has got the ability to, to do well. I think the, there's always going to be that concern. I, I'm going to say it as well. I'm not sure if this is going to be away your questions, but I think Balotelli is going to score a goal this season. <laughs> there you go. It's your bold bet. Well, I've got Roma seven, but I wouldn't be surprised if Roma have a bad season. Uh, did, you did you didn't have Lazio with the team? Lazio with the team I dropped out. So Lazio, I had eight. So I just think. Um, Selling Milinkovic Savic. I do like Sari as a coach, but uh, selling Milinkovic Savic, have they really replaced him? Immobile, at some point, his luck is going to run out. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think that's the you know, Champions League football as well. Can they cope with with those? Lazio, Lazio always terrible in Europe. They, the the they, will they the be league. will they be terrible enough? That they like drop out of Europe completely. They could, I, I think it could be one of those sides who just sort of drop into Europa League and then have to continue playing until sort of March or April. Yeah, to be fair, you, I like your arguments on Lazio. I mean, Milinkovic Savic, personally, I think a little bit overrated as well sometimes in terms of end product. But Immobile, yeah, the signs of a bit of a decline at the end of last season. So I've got him in six. Uh, I've got Napoli in fifth. Oh. Uh, I think somebody really does not like Rudy Garcia. Yeah, not a big Rudy Garcia guy. They've um, they've lost Kim. They've got Champions League football, and I think yeah, winning Scudetto I, for them may. I do think um, there were potentially signs that um, Kivaritschkelia. Go see if you don't say that name uh, regularly for a few months, that that definitely leaves you. Um, I think it, there were signs again towards the end of last season that defenders were starting to work out. That if you just show him down the outside, he's maybe not as effective. Be interesting to see how he bounces back in the second half of the season. Uh, Osiman, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything about because he's just unbelievable. But there is, there is that concern about his fitness records. So I think if he gets injured for any spell, that could be uh, difficult for for Napoli to to find those goals. All right, top four. I've got Juventus in fourth, despite the fact they've barely bought anyone. They were terrible last season. They've got an awful coach. But I think uh, that psychological just, trauma just <laughs> that you still think they'll go in the top four. Well, I just think they'll grind stuff out. Um, and no, Europe, no, Europe, no, Europe will be a big, a big boost to them. I'm sure yeah. that. I mean, I, I get the feeling that UEFA's punishment of um, oh, you can't go into the Conference League is not really a punishment for them. I think they probably were begging, begging not to have to play in that in that tournament. All right, we both got Atalanta in third. Um, I've got Milan in second. Again, Milan have made six, seven signings. 
Yes, a lot of them are a bit meh, personally. I'm a, but... I'm a, I'm a big Ruben Loftus Cheek fan. <laughs> um, I, I like Eunice Musa. I thought he was good in the World Cup, so I think he might add a bit of stability. I mean, they've got a lot, they've got a lot of centre midfielders. Tenali, um, obviously leaving and obviously having a good debut for Newcastle at the weekend is whether they will whether they're missing but I think they've they've bought a lot of depth I'm surprised that Pervega is still there I don't see how he's going to play um many games with with the competition he now has in midfield we've probably worked out who I've got first Bologna no, no. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Toro <laughs> I've actually got into first but I don't think they're that good either but I just think they're probably made um they probably had the most kind of solid squad last season the I can see him bringing one one or two more players in as well. I don't think there's an exceptional team in there. I think there's also a scenario where Atalanta could push it close, but I'm... I, I, I like I do like the idea. Like Napoli, obviously ran away with the league and were basically champions by December last year. I do like the idea that there is potentially three or four teams who can who can genuinely win it. If you look at European leagues across um, Europe, obviously. <laughs> um, Premier League, you've got a maximum maybe of two teams that you think could win it. Germany, really one. Uh, Spain, two. Um, so yeah, I do think one of the if if Amy's listening to his podcast and they're not a big fan of Italian football or or Toro, I don't know why how you found this and or why, but I do think if the top European leagues, Serie A is the one for a little bit of a. A drama title to race this season. I know potentially could have said that last season. Napoli ran away with it, um, but yeah, I think there's all the ingredients for a good title to race. And yeah, I think actually Atalanta. It will be inter- the only the only concern I have about them is they've, they've made some good attacking improvements defensively, midfield. I feel like if they just forgotten about those areas, their defenders are quite old. I haven't really looked at replacing those, and and whether that's going to be something that that is an issue for them later on in the season all right so two other teams finished above Toro Bologna and Bologna really by a little bit by default um, and they've lost and... Anatovic um which, did. yeah I know and I, I know he's probably well, definitely past his best but he was a bit of a talisman for them so you've got Torino finished above Fiorentina Lazio and Bologna to finish seventh correct but in right. true Toro, in true Toro, Toro fashion, um, probably I don't know, Empoli win the Coppa Italia and we miss out on Europe. There you go. Empoli just about the only team we haven't mentioned. I think. Um, there you go. Nice. Oh, Sassuolo possibly. Obvi- but... Obviously, we're not mentioning Sassuolo. All right. Well, let's end the pod with a kind of first prediction for the match day one. We haven't really talked about the fixture calendar and. Um, and I don't have it in front of me, actually. So I'll let you scramble around and find out if it's not a fresh in mind. But we do play Cagliari at home we, on the opening day of the season. I think I, me- I think I mentioned this um, when the fixes were announced. Like, the fixture calendar has been quite kind on paper to Toro again. Um, we play two of the newly promoted sides in within our first three games, as we did last season. The only difference being that we actually play these games at home rather than away. Um, home form is what we struggled with last season. We were unbelievable on the road, so maybe we prefer those fixes to be to be away from home. Um, but yeah, at home to Cagliari on Monday, and then we travel to San Siro to face Milan on Saturday, 
uh, and then another Monday evening, uh, Monday, well, Monday 5.30 UK time kickoff uh, against Genoa uh, the week after that. I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that obviously Serie A kicks off this weekend and we have to wait until Monday to watch Toro. Um, I don't think, obviously, <laughs> the, obviously we're as big a draw as uh, we think we are, but um, yeah, lose, lose a little bit of that excitement that you get excited for the weekend and you've got to wait until Monday for Toro kick off. Um, we're, we're playing Cagliari. Cagliari, I've always think travel like milk. Like they're they're they're, they're never they're, they're not particularly good outside of Sardinia. But having said that, I don't know. I always think we've got a really good home record against Cagliari. We have we have smashed them a few times um, in recent memory. But it's the last four we've we've lost the last two at home to Cagliari, drawn to, and not won since October 2017 when Falke and the great Joel Obi scored. Um, last time we lost 2-1 when they got relegated Bellanova actually scored that time and there were two 2-1-1 draws where Zaza scored but yeah so recent record against Cagliari is not actually that great in Turin but record against most teams in Turin as you said not brilliant recently promoted teams early in the season like sometimes there is a sensation that have got a bit of momentum about them um, I've got a feeling in recent years Twin have played quite a lot of promoted teams and done quite well. I think remember Frosinone's in his first ever Serie A game, we we went and won there. I remember when Piacenza, this was years and years ago, came up to play the first ever Serie A match. Torino beat them. We beat Monza last season. Um, I I think Torino will win this on Monday night by two goals to one. Um, the other thing I'll sell about the Coppa Italia game, the 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 feeling I got was. A lot of possession, pretty solid at the back, a lot of possession, um, but a real lack of cutting edge, a real wastefulness and a real kind of reliance on wide play uh, when we don't really, I mean, Voivoda and Bellanova did pretty well in the cup game, but we had no replacements for them. Um, and then what Illich does give us is gives us an option of of quality from outside the box as well. Um, but I and think... Just, we'll... just a, sorry, just a word, actually, it's worth... Um giving a, a shout out to the to the goal, goalkeeper in that cup game. Some of the saves that he made, especially in the first half, were, were pretty impressive. Um, I'm going to have to get his name because otherwise I'm going to absolutely butcher it as I do most uh, pronunciations on this podcast, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Samuel Pizziganako. Um, yeah, very good performance from a young goalkeeper. And it yeah, makes you wonder why if there's if there's players who've been playing in the third tier um playing so well, then why have um why have Torino sort of not not sort of looking at those type of players? Well yeah, on on Cagliari they they're a bit lucky to get promoted. Um they weren't particularly high up in the in the season. They got into the playoffs, they lost the I think they lost or drew the home I think they maybe drew a home match with Bari. And then all Bari had to do was avoid defeat. And then Cagliari with the last kick of the match from Pavoletti won promotion. Looking at the team, there's a few kind of characters from when they got relegated, like Hernandez and Dorsena and Zappa. And the signings they bought in, it's a bit of kind of used um, used Serie A experience in Scuffe, Yankto, um, Shomorodov, who he did nothing, did he, at Spezia when he went there on loan. Um, um, so 
Yeah, Algello from Sampdoria has always looked fairly steady uh, left wing back. But yeah, I mean, we were perfectly capable of lo- of losing the match. But it's it's on paper, it's not one of those promoted teams that you look at and probably got massive momentum or, um, or yeah, or kind of a, a, a real quality. I think it's a game we should we should be looking at winning. Ranieri will probably come to set up to make Calorie hard to beat and, and, and to play on the break as well, which not the ideal, not the sort of opponent we've done brilliantly against in recent years. Yeah, I think my prediction, I think maybe last season I was a little bit too optimistic, so I'm going to try and sort of curb that enthusiasm and, and go You've got Toro finishing seventh, mate. Yeah, but I need. I think we'll grow ourselves into the season. We'll grow ourselves into the season. On these indiv- they, they, these these um, table bets, they don't mean anything. This, the real deal is these one <laughs> these uh, these match predictions. So, uh, I I do think, in a strange way, I mean this uh, this goes sound really bad, but like, starting the season quite slowly, may not be the worst thing in terms of the transfer market when the transfer window is still open. I think. If we win two of those, first, well, two of the, the first two games will be before the window closes, and then the, the second game just after. Um, if we win, say we w- beat Cagliari at home and a draw against Milan, the the narrative is going to be that we don't really need to improve any, improve the squad, and, and everything's hunky dory. So, uh, I'll go for a one-one draw. Um, I think I can see Ranieri setting the team. At, setting Calgary up well, being tough to break down and then maybe take the lead and then we'll have to rely on a late equaliser maybe maybe from sort of long distance, similar to, to some of the, the home games from last season. Um yeah, and I, I feel like if I if I predict us to draw and lose and we win, then I can't lose, can I? The new Rob. The new right, Rob, yeah exactly. I've got got new new tactics this season, Peter. All right. Well Rob, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, it was a um, uh, bit rusty from our side, um, but yeah, we'll hope to be back anyway with the the kind of regular weekly pods and some of the features we've done and get some guests on. Um, hopefully, we'll do a short one, uh, despite my my travels and and work commitments at the moment. But hopefully, we can do something post Cagliari next week and then set up the match against uh, Milan. But in the meantime. Maybe we'll get the left back, the Trey from the striker over the next week as well. And that seventh place that seventh place might become fifth. Fingers crossed. Anyway, for Totoro. For Totoro. <laughs>